3: Hello, and welcome back to The Dear Prudence Show. Once again, and as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Daniel Ortberg. With me in the studio this week is no one. There's an empty chair next to me, and there hasn't been an empty chair next to me in a long, long time. Listeners, if you don't mind pardoning me for just a second, I think I'm going to talk to my producer. Phil, can you come in here? Hey, Danny, what's up? Nothing much. I don't know. It's New Year's Day and there's nobody in the guest chairs. Is this really how we wanted to start the new year?
0: Uh, I think it's just that everyone has today off, you know? People want to stay at home. I
3: tried to book all the guests that you asked for. I tried getting Jasmine Sanders and Jennifer Egan, Grace Lavery. No response. Even Grace?
4: She wasn't available.
3: That stings. Well, keep trying, but... I want to try something. I thought maybe we could go back in time and experience a few of the many memorable letters that I've read over the last year.
4: Oh, that sounds good. But wait, did you say go back in time? How are we going to go back in time? All you have to do
3: is look out into the middle distance and repeat after me. Today's show... Today's show... Is brought to you by... Is brought to you by... 2018. 2018. 2018. 2018. 2018. All right. We've got some good office content yeah. this, this week. Um, the subject of this is Office Rule Breaker. Dear Prudence, just over a week ago, I was signed out of work for two weeks with a slipped disc. The day after I got signed out was my work's Christmas party. I know that social rules probably state I shouldn't go if I'm signed off sick. and Although I'm usually a stickler for rules, I find it difficult to follow them when I can't see the logic behind them. I had been looking forward to this occasion for months, and I had reasoned that if I'd managed to drag myself into work for the three days before I got signed out for my injury, I could drag myself to a restaurant for one evening. This Christmas party was a simple sit-down dinner. The restaurant was owned by a colleague's family member, and he had arranged for an especially comfortable chair for me to sit on, followed by drinks at a nearby pub. Had it been more strenuous, I of course wouldn't have gone, but sitting down was not an activity ruled out by my doctor, so I figured it shouldn't make any difference whether I sat at home or sat in a restaurant. I anticipated some pushback. So when a more senior colleague joked about my coming in when I was signed out, I lightheartedly mentioned that I'd managed to come to work for an active job for several days with my injury. So I was certainly able to sit in a restaurant for a couple of hours. I'd hoped this would be the end of it, but a colleague told me today that another senior member of the staff, who wasn't even at the meal, made a joking dig about my presence at the Christmas do. I am now concerned about my reputation when I return. I still believe I was justified in attending. I wasn't on bed rest, and the requirements of my job that I have been medically signed off from are much more physically taxing than going to supper, and I'd happily defend my case. But part of the problem is, I don't believe anything will be said directly to me. I thought about raising it with my boss, but if I mention the recent comment, I will implicate my friend. She's also senior to me and has already been told off for quote-unquote gossiping with people lower than her. I don't want her to get in trouble when I think she did the right thing by telling me. This is an exciting office. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Right, like Christmas dinner, like scandal, like gossiping, you know, networks of rebuke. Like, man, you guys are...
5: Yeah, everybody's like, everybody's talking about everybody.
3: And you're looking forward to a holiday Christmas party, like so much so that you'd rather go than stay at home, which like I cannot relate to
5: at all i've <laughs> having never been to an office christmas party of any kind i can't relate to that but maybe they just know. work in a
3: really great office
5: or maybe the restaurant's really good
3: yeah i i guess maybe i
5: uh, somebody, they have great chairs
3: somebody the other day just wrote that after uh, after our holiday parties are wage theft and i was just like i love <laughs> i love the online and also
2: yes <laughs>
5: I feel like this is a letter where I want to give the letter writer permission to ignore this problem because it is not a problem to me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what you would say to your director, especially since you have not been like formally or even informally rebuked for this. Yeah. Um so I, I suppose if you wanted to be really like quote unquote proactive, you could say to your director hey, I'm aware that there may have been a little confusion. Here was my reasoning behind it. I hope that's all right with you. But I have to say, I'm not so keen on the justification you gave in the moment. And I want you to at least consider some of the reasons behind why other people looked a little bit askance. Mm -hmm. Um, So number one is this. I, I bristled at this. I find rules difficult to follow when I can't see the logic yep. behind them. I mean, who among us does not, right? <laughs> like, lots of life is full of dumb, arbitrary rules that we don't care. But uh, this sort of removes agency from you. This sort of makes it sound like I, a being so devoted to logic, simply cannot force myself to do dumb things like the rest of you idiots um, when they don't make perfect, beautiful, logical sense. And, and I'm aware that that's not how you put it. But it sort of makes it sound like if someone hasn't explained a rule sufficiently to you, you cannot follow it. Mm mm-hmm. um, And that's just not true. So, again, not to say that you are a monster for going and sitting in a restaurant for a couple of hours, but you could have not gone. That was an option. Um, and sure. especially simply because you said I was able to force myself to work for three days before I finally got the doctor's note. Um that's not a reason to go, my friend. Like, the reason you were given medical leave was so that you could rest and take good care of yourself. And I'm aware that that doesn't mean being on bed rest. But if your justification is, well, I already put myself in harm's way by making myself work when I shouldn't, this is okay too. You know, part of the reason that you were given medical leave was so that you could take care of yourself and come back to work rested and ready. Um, And so even if this just gives off the appearance of malingering or, you know, a possible abuse of medical leave. Again, not that I'm saying it was like really, really blatant or awful. I'm just sometimes we have to be aware of our professional reputations in a way that maybe isn't like perfectly logical in a vacuum, but that takes into account uh, not just what's going on with someone internally, but also appearances. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that that was the slam dunk justification that maybe you thought it was.
5: Yeah, I I. I think it's it's also interesting that there is a lot of exposition in this letter about the chairs and the sitting and like a lot of justification about why it is okay to be at the Christmas party and like so on and so forth. And I wonder there's both a part of me that wonders whether there's some sort of internal office politic jockeying that's happening about like needing to preserve your reputation in such a way that. It feels really important to you to make sure that everybody knows that, like, you are doing it by the book and you are following these arbitrary rules that nobody else has to follow, but, like, you're following them. Um, Well, yeah, and
3: especially with that mention uh, towards the end about the other colleague being told off for gossiping, it does suggest that maybe there's, like, some enhanced scrutiny around the Mm -hmm. office lately. Like, maybe previously things have been a little more lax and now everyone's feeling a little more self-conscious.
5: Yeah, or that maybe this person is... Really has a need to be seen as sort of, like, above the fray of everybody else. Like, oh, I follow all the rules, but everybody else is gossipy, etc. And I can't take it when somebody jokes about me and I need them to know um, that, like, it's okay. I'm still good. Like, I'm still golden. Um, even though I did this thing, but it let me justify it. Um, yeah.
3: But I, I will say this, too. I think I come down, I came down a little bit hard on the letter writer in the beginning. And I don't want to make it sound like I think you're a real jerk who, who never follows rules or that you should, you know, especially since you mentioned your job is pretty physically taxing and it's not like you work an office job where you couldn't sit in a chair but you could sit in a restaurant and that would have been confusing for people. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm inclined to say... I get it. I think your justification in the moment was a little bit off, but I also think it's really okay that you felt like you were up to sitting down for a couple of hours. I'm glad yeah. you went and had a good time. I don't think you should have to apologize for that. Um, and unless your director raises the issue with you, I don't think you should worry too much. Like,
5: Yeah, I think I would not worry. I think if this still bothers you in three weeks, maybe you could say to your boss hey, I'm getting the vibe in the office that maybe people are upset me about this and I just want to check in and make sure that there's nothing I need to do to smooth it over. Yeah. Maybe.
3: I, I, and, and my guess is just, like, if it's about the Christmas party, like, it's going to blow over pretty quickly. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's been a ton of talk. One person made a joke about it. Um, it. You know, if more stuff comes back to you, I think that that would make sense. And it's at least worth considering you know, in the future, would I want to make a different choice? Um, not necessarily because what I did was like unequivocally wrong, but just to bear in mind that, you know, sometimes you have to keep up appearances or or just make sure that you avoid the appearance of, of doing something that you wouldn't want people to think you were doing. Um, But, no, I I don't know. I keep looking over this. It's like you got signed off to not, like, lift a bunch of stuff, not to not sit down. Um,
5: And as a person who has had very physical jobs in my life, I can really relate to that. They are really different. It is very different to be lifting a lot of heavy things and to be sitting. Like, they require very different things. Sitting kills you also, but in a different way. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah. What, I'm going to like soften what I initially said to you by like a solid 70%. <laughs> I think I read too much into the thing about I don't like to follow rules when there's no logic behind it. I think I was not reading you in good faith there. Um, and I think you were totally right to say this is really different than the kind of work I can't do. And it happens once a year and I wanted to go. Um, yes, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You were justified in going. Um, yeah, don't don't worry about it unless it comes up again. And then feel free to, like, chat about it with your boss. But mostly just, in like... In a
5: casual way. Yeah, take
3: care of yourself. Get back to work. I think people will not linger on this one for a really long time. Like, this was a one and done.
5: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah.
3: Well, thank you, Letter Writer. Uh, please accept my apologies for coming on strong and then, you know, dialing it way back. <laughs> <the end>. Every <laughs> once in a while that happens.
5: It's okay. We're all human.
3: So I'm kind of curious, before we dive into our voicemail... Uh, you mentioned, obviously, you work with farms. You farm. Yes. You work with food. I grow,
5: I grow food. Uh,
3: <laughs> you, you've had a lot of physically demanding jobs. Uh, I feel like a lot of the questions that I get are about, like, office jobs. Mm-hmm. What is the greatest, like, dear Prudence letter you could have sent in during your time uh, working with food? Oh,
5: wow. Um, food and dirt. The greatest do, do, can, can you tell <laughs> I am from the
3: suburbs that I'm, like, working yeah, with the working food and dirt,
5: that you dirt. Do. Um, Oh, man, the greatest, like... These rutabagas don't like me. Um,
3: (laughs) I imagine farms do not have HR departments, generally speaking.
5: Well, so it depends. Um, A lot of the agriculture that I've been involved in has been sort of like nonprofit adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, And or I did do a brief stint wherein I dove into the for-profit sector. I used to grow food for buy Oh, shoot. In San Francisco. Yeah. Um, So that was really different and they definitely had an HR department. Um, Yeah. I feel like there's... uh, Mostly, this has not happened to me personally, but when you're farming, you're stuck with a lot of people in a... sometimes a large space but in an intimate way for many hours and you will talk about like anything that you could possibly think of you will know the names of all their cats like you will know what they had for breakfast that morning uh, and if there's an interpersonal issue like you are going to know mm-hmm. um, and I have definitely known people who have had like crazy interpersonal issues with people that they work with where you're like literally here's me and here's you and there's oh, some man. carrots in between us and we have to talk to each other all day or we're gonna sing Christmas carols until we die out here in the sun like that's oh my what it's like and these carrots are not going to help remove the tension in any way. Yeah, oh, no. Man. Um, And there's definitely, like, from a personal standpoint, there have been lots and lots of times where, like, it's unclear whether you're going to end up being able to work through the winter or not, and then kind of trying to figure out, like, do I then qualify for unemployment? What Oof. should I do? Do I talk to this person? And then they'll, like, offer you sort of, like, a side deal, and then you say, I don't really want to do that because I'm a farmer, and I don't... Super want to talk to people about their vegetables. I just want to grow them. Yeah, yeah. So I've been in that situation, um but mostly it's like you will. I know so much about people that I will never see again.
3: Oh, <laughs> I, I, that is. So I mean, true I hope to see them. Again. so many jobs. I, 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 I have no coworkers that I'm like, man, I miss them. That's not true. I have a couple of coworkers that are we're great, but like generally speaking especially at certain types of jobs, you get to know somebody incredibly well for a year and a half and Mm -hmm. then you never see each other again and you're just like, I have so much information in my head about your relationship with your last boyfriend and your mother and I cannot delete it but we will never
5: talk again. <laughs> yeah, but now we're never going to talk about it and I'm never going to get the follow-up. Ugh. Most of my coworkers I really love and I actually miss working with them a lot because when you know so much about somebody, then, like, you do want to know what happens to them. I'm but there are a... some people where I'm like, man, I wonder whatever happened with her, like, dying cat. I'm... I, the cat died is what happened. 100%. I mean, I hope not. Maybe. It All cats did. die. Yeah.
3: Oh, Surely by now, like... if that was not the thing that killed the cat, the cat is now dead. Yeah. I'm I'm very much a proponent of, like... You know, no friends, no memories at work. Like just, uh, not that those things are bad. I just feel like, especially in the Bay Area, people already really put in a plug for, like, we're a family. Be friends with people at work. And I'm like, nope, show up, get your job done, go home. no oh, nobody's man. names. <laughs> Imagine every day you've washed up on the shore and you have no memory of who you were. Just show You're just up, like an get done, get out. Yeah, which is not going to be useful for everyone, but...
0: Yeah, I like it as a strategy.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a talker, and so I will make people talk to me in the field, even if they don't want to. And now I feel bad for people like you who are like, I wish that you didn't know anything.
3: Trust that I am pretty good at making sure that I advocate <laughs> for myself throughout the day. And it's not like it's not like I walk into work and if someone tries to talk to me, I'm like, get the hell out. Like you, you, you have to be polite. Yeah, of course, of course. And this job, obviously, I'm friends with everyone. Yeah, it's only other. Bad jobs for the past. Not this those are the bad co-workers that you never where talk I to. love all my coworkers. Yeah. All right, let's keep it moving. All right, uh, this next one, man, just just big family stuff, boundary stuff today. Oh yeah, people, oh, people taking advantage of other people's uh, innate goodness. <laughs> not loving it. The subject is not your mom, dear Prudence. I married a man with three children, ages 10 to 14, and for the most part, I hope to have a good rapport with them, but not become their primary parent. We usually have them every other weekend, on alternate holidays and for a month during the summer, but their mother recently left the state to deal with her invalid parents for the last two months. The kids have been living with us since December, and I'm at the end of my rope. All the daily drudgery gets piled up at my door, and my husband and stepkids act surprised when I don't automatically act on it. Forgotten homework, dirty laundry, dinner not being made, all of them are incapable of doing any of it. I work long, hard hours, and I'm tired of coming back to chaos. Last week, I had to work on a major project from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. My husband got the kids pizza three days in a row, only for my stepkids to tell me how tired they were of it. So I stayed up and made some frozen casseroles. Or, I stayed up and made some casseroles to freeze. I told my oldest stepdaughter that she would have to heat it up for her siblings around five, since my husband and I were both working late. I left instructions on the fridge. I came home to an angry husband and hungry kids. My stepdaughter forgot, and my husband's response wasn't to scold his daughter, but scold me. I should have texted them all a reminder. I told him I had to get back to work, and I turned around and left the house. I checked into a hotel and stayed there overnight. My stepkids are genuinely good, and I understand that they miss their mom, but right now I get treated like the hired help. My husband and I are fighting. He tells me that I have to step up as a stepmother, and I tell him I can't because he won't back me up. He wants to be their friend more than their parent. We don't know when their mother is getting back for good, and this situation is stressing me out to the point that I'm making mistakes at work. I am honestly thinking of checking into a hotel permanently until she comes back. I don't know if I will have a marriage to come back to. Can you help me find another way? Wow. Wow. Letter writer, I just need you to know that when I got to the line about how you said you had to go back to work and you went to a hotel, Jess just, just did a silent fist pump. And so did I in my heart.
1: I'm so proud of you. Well done. Just walking out of that situation where clearly no, you were not being listened to. I, and you were not being treated respectfully. I think I know. I'm going to go ahead and speculate that the reason
3: this guy's last marriage ended is because his wife ended, left it. Uh, And I'm willing to bet I I have a couple theories as to why she left his ass. I probably
1: have the same theories.
3: This guy sucks.
1: This guy (sighs) sucks. I'm sorry, I want to give more nuanced advice, but this guy sucks. Letter writer, your husband scolded you. He sucks. That's not something you do to your spouse. You made a casserole.
3: You told the kids when to put it in the oven. The girl is 14 years old. You left instructions on the fridge. You came home and your husband said you should have sent a text too. because your husband sucks. (laughs) Like, come on. Your husband apparently came home, saw that the casserole was not in the oven, and rather than press the button to turn the oven on, because that's all like... That's all ovens are now are buttons. Like, he did not have to, like, personally get, like, a dog to run on a wheel to start turning a spit over a fire he had to build with his bare hands. <laughs> like, he, he decided, no, 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 I'm not going to press the button and start cooking the casserole myself now. And then to say to my 14-year-old, hey, like, instructions were on the fridge. Look more next time. Uh, he was like, oh, I'm just going to sit here angrily and wait for my woman to get home. I, I am floored. I, he
6: sucks.
1: Okay. He was angry at you for not sending a reminder. Uh, he he scolded you. He's telling you to step up as a stepmother. Like, this is... And
3: just, like, everything's your job for his kids, dinner, their laundry, their forgotten homework. Like, he's not asking you to be a step-parent. He's asking you to be their mother. Like, these are his kids.
1: And, and I want to point out that these kids are between 10 and 14. Like, if... They were younger, then there is just automatically more work that they cannot do themselves. Hey, right. ten year olds can do laundry. Certainly, the fourteen year old can.
6: Yeah, they like, can.
1: They can, you know, heat up a casserole. They can remember their own homework.
6: Yeah, like
3: that. Yeah, I, I don't want to be as hard on the kids as no. I want to be on the dad. Absolutely um, not.
1: But I'm saying like. There's not the same amount of parental energy that needs to go into it. Like, your husband can do the majority of this.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, just, uh, again, especially given that these kids already have a mother and, and, you know, your husband and his ex have been co-parenting them for a while, like, he should not, like, it, just the expectation that, like, as his wife, food and clothes are just your purview, in addition to being his wife, is just some bullshit. And uh, I'm so glad you checked into a hotel, Um, And I think you should check back into a hotel. And if you think that the act of checking into a hotel and no longer doing your husband's kids' laundry all the time and texting them more about casseroles is going to be something that ends your marriage, then I'm just going to go ahead and say your marriage needs to end. I don't think you should say I'm divorcing you, but I think you should say this is not working. Your expectations of me are absolutely outrageous. I am no longer taking responsibility for your kids' laundry or homework or food, uh, because you just threw that all on my doorstep and did nothing to help, and then scolded me like a child when I
1: failed to be, like, a wife to you and a full-time parent to your kids. Right. And, like, abstaining from this responsibility is not going to harm these children, right? Like, your husband got them pizza. Yeah. They'll be fine. Like, okay, they forget their homework once, or... Then they'll get in trouble at school. Right. Right. They have a
3: lot of dirty clothes. They'll either wear something dirty or learn to do the laundry. Like, if you leave, there's nobody
1: who's going to get, like, harmed. Right. There is—you don't have to worry about harming the children if you back out of all this responsibility, which is not yours.
3: No. You you worked from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. You made a casserole, and then you got yelled at for not texting about the casserole. This situation is so beyond the point of reasonable compromise. This— he, your husband is makes not me a tired. nice guy who is trying his best. Let's put it that way. This makes me tired just reading it. Yeah. Go to that hotel right this instant. Um, I get that your, you know, your husband's ex is out of town dealing with invalid parents. I totally understand that you are not looking to create more chaos, but um, I don't see any other way that you can communicate to your partner that this behavior is totally beyond the pale. Absolutely. Um, and And, you know, maybe you leave. You wait out another couple of weeks. Uh, His ex-wife comes back. You two go to couples counseling and, you know, you set some limits with him and say, like, hey, guy, either meet these, you know, uh, really, really reasonable boundaries or we cannot be partners. Maybe he steps up. That'd be fabulous. And if he doesn't, frankly, you are so much better off without him.
1: Absolutely. You know, you have them every week, every other weekend and alternative holidays. So, like, and yeah, okay, a month during the summer, but, like, it's not surprising that. You haven't seen this behavior from him before because he – summertime is a very different time to have children than during the school year in terms of responsibilities. So, like, I don't want you to feel like you should have – expected this because this is outrageous
3: well it doesn't sound brand new like no it just mostly sounds like this is the longest they've ever been here and i used to be able to just like grit my teeth and get through it on the weekend which you know again not that that's like oh you should have like pushed back harder sooner but i do understand that sense of like oh i let this slide for a little while but now it's at a point where i cannot let it slide for another minute um but yeah absolutely like if your kids forget, if the kids forget the homework, if the laundry's dirty, if they don't have dinner and you're coming home at 7 p.m. after like a 14 hour workday, like that's not your problem. Right. This guy sucks. I know I've said that like 90 times.
1: So I just had to say it again. <laughs> like my spirit needed to say it. Um, and, and it's really nice to hear you like say, you know, my stepkids are genuinely good and I understand they miss their mom because like, you know, they are kids. Yeah. Like this is definitely a your husband problem. Yeah.
3: But, uh, you know, throw a copy of The Feminine Mystique down on the kitchen table and then just like buggy. You know what I mean? Like this is some (laughs) old school feminist 101 stuff of just like, hey, just because I'm the woman you married doesn't mean I own all the dishes in the house. They're not like my purview, my good man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he uh, this is ridiculous. Go back to the hotel. Stay out of there. Uh, If he is willing to, you know, apologize profusely for the ways in which he has taken advantage of you um, and is willing to work with you in the future to make sure that you are not just like the one responsible for his children. I don't know. Maybe you can make it work out. I sure hope you don't. I sure hope you guys get divorced and you meet someone else who doesn't suck. Or at the very least, you just get to come home at the end of the day and feed yourself.
7: It's a nice feeling than
3: this jerk. Yeah. Who's like, oh, a casserole in the freezer. How could I turn that into food? This is the most difficult, like, riddle anyone's ever faced.
1: Not like there are instructions on the fridge or anything. Press the damn button, my guy! No, I
3: hate this man. I have set my face and my heart against him in enmity. If I ever meet him on the road, I will challenge him to a duel. I'll just know it's him. Somehow, I'll just know. I don't know his name or what he looks like, but I'll just have this feeling in my heart, and I will fight him. Hey everyone, we had a slight issue with the audio on one end of our recording today, so there may be a couple of moments where the audio jumps up and down just a little bit. This next letter is really something. Would you uh, be so good as to read it?
2: Sure. Subject My boss goes exploring in my desk. Dear Prudence, I've worked for the same company for many years and love the work, clients, coworkers, everything but my boss. If I take a day off, she often goes through my desk, rifling through the contents, and leaving me nasty notes about the things, such as the way I store my pens or why I have a yogurt spoon. She admits that this is not born from any concern about my hiding things, but because she's simply looking for something and then gets distracted and goes on a tear. She's gone through my inbox and outbox and made false assumptions leading to her calling clients or taking action on things that have already been dealt with. Nothing she's ever found has been amiss, illegal, or anything, but organized differently than she would want it. We have no HR, but when coworkers have told her that this behavior seems invasive, she maintains that she has every right to do it. We do 360 reviews, and I consistently get outstanding scores from everyone, including her. Do you think this is normal behavior for a boss? What should I do? I'd quit, but I live in a city where jobs are very hard to come by, and there are dozens of applicants for any position like mine. Help. Wow. Well, this well, is not normal behavior.
3: <laughs> Can I- yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> safely, I feel very confident um Just answering that question like, no, this is not at all normal. This is bananas. I am so sorry. I cannot imagine, like, leaving for lunch and coming back to my desk to find a, like, poisonous little note from my boss about how
2: I organize my pens. Like, that is just demented. And even without the notes, just the fact that she's going through your inbox and outbox and personal items for the sake of it is unprofessional and demeaning on so many different levels.
3: Yes, yes. And worse than all of that, like, this is all so bad on its own, but she is making mistakes on your behalf at work because she's, Mm -hmm. like, half-heartedly going through your inbox, partly reading things, making stupid assumptions, and then jumping the gun and calling clients and and creating a mess. Like, this is not just... Uh, a weird quirk. This is actually affecting your ability to get your job done uh, and your professional reputation. So that's pretty serious. Um, And it's a real shame that you guys don't have an HR department, which I've talked Mm -hmm. about before, how I feel like HR departments are often very limited in terms of what they can actually do. But this seems like the kind of thing that if an HR department was aware that this was going on, they would be concerned about the company's reputation as well as yours, because this does not make your business look good.
2: Yeah. And definitely, I think it's important to note that maybe because this letter writer has worked in the same place for many years and they've grown accustomed to this behavior, that they have to ask the question that, is this normal? Um, I think we can both assure you that, no, it's it's not normal. So don't forget that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, so the letter writer uh, at least does not want their first option to be quitting, which is fine. Uh, although I say put it on the table. Um, I think you should certainly be looking for work elsewhere while you think of other ways that you can deal with this internally. Um, but that's got to be an option because this this just can't go on. Like eventually, she's going to email somebody something that you guys will not be able to fix. You know, like she's going to send off some half cocked email and you're going to lose business over it. Um, so what would what would be your first step? Like you've already apparently coworkers have said this. Uh, please don't do this. So it sounds like the boss is doing it to more than just the letter writer. Um, It sounds like the letter writer has spoken to her about it uh, because they write that the boss has admitted that it's not that they're it's not that she's worried about the letter writer stealing or anything. She's just always looking for something. So, what do you think is the next move?
2: Well, even if there's no HR department, perhaps there's a company contract or guidelines or a guidebook, depending on the nature of the company, that maybe they could go through and see what rules are most applicable in this type of situation or how to escalate concerns or any whistleblower kinds of lines. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that makes sense, because I was a little I, I was doing a little bit of digging after this because I was kind of unsure, like, is this, you know, Uh, legal because a lot of workplaces, there's not a reasonable expectation of privacy when it comes to something like the emails you send from your professional account. But there would be a reasonable expectation of privacy when you're, say, like uh, changing in the professional, like in your company's locker room or using the company's restrooms. So- It would be worth checking out your company policy, um, just whether or not there is kind of, like, any sort of policy around, like, is your desk considered a private space? Like, uh, it would be unusual for a boss to be able to go through your purse. Uh, So there is a sort of there's a line somewhere of, like, what your boss can and cannot reasonably do at the office. And it may be that you guys have a policy. It may be worth checking with your state's Department of Labor to find out, like, what privacy protections do apply to you. It's weird. I don't normally uh, recommend that people talk to their state's Department of Labor twice (laughs) in a podcast, much less in the first two episodes. Um, But, yeah, it it may, frankly, uh, be illegal for your boss to be doing this. It also may very well fall under, you know the purview of, like, shit your boss can do when you are at work, which would be a real shame. But it's worth knowing more about this, for sure.
2: Well, I think also the nasty notes might count as harassment. So you want to look into those laws, too, perhaps.
3: Yeah, especially when it's about things like how you organize your pens or why you have a... Like, that's so irrational to me that I have trouble believing that this boss is not having a lot of trouble elsewhere. Um, So... In terms of, like, escalation, I would say, like, number one, find out more about um, whether or not your boss is doing anything illegal. Certainly save the notes um, and keep a record of the things that she says to you. This is a waste of company time if she's writing you, like, nasty notes about your yogurt spoon. Um, And this is going to be important when you talk to whoever her boss is. I think it's worth trying to speak to her about it again just so you can have that to point to when you kind of kick it further up the chain of command because I think that's going to be... The next thing you have to do, like, you know, just go to her and say, hey, I need to talk to you about what happens when you go through my desk and and stick especially to the stuff of like, you know, you have sometimes misread things in my inbox and emailed clients with mistaken information that I have then had to clean up. That makes us look bad. That's not necessary. And that makes my job harder. Can we both agree that you won't do that without checking in with me first? Um, And if she can't give you that, then that's a pretty clear sign that you need to go above her head. Um, And my guess is she's not going to respond to it well or rationally or reasonably. Um, And at that point, I think you can kind of bring up everything else and say there's a pattern of behavior here that's worrying, invasive, unprofessional, and makes it difficult for me to do my job. Um, And I just I just think you have to do that because otherwise she's just going to keep doing this.
2: Yeah, and I would say that when discussing it, it would be valuable definitely to focus on the workplace and professional aspect of it, um, because it sounds like general guidelines about privacy and personal space have not really been effective so far. So, you know, I like Mallory, your script about the company being able to do its job. I think that's a useful one to definitely focus on.
3: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can also say to her, too, you know, um, I want to talk to you about what you think is the best use of my time, um, unless there's a problem with the way that I organize my desk, um, unless you can see any ways in which it is affecting my work. I would prefer it if you did not leave me notes commenting on my organizational system or asking why or how I eat the things that I do. That's not related to work. That doesn't fall under your purview. And that's not something that we need to be able to discuss. And these, by the way, are all really reasonable things to say to your boss. This isn't you being, like, insubordinate or... Or, you know, lashing out or or doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Although I am aware that when you have a boss who crosses lines like this, there can be a real sense of anxiety of like, but if I talk back, um, if I say this is not okay, she might retaliate because she's already doing pretty out there stuff. Um, so I, I think that's where I, I hope you trust like management in general at this company. I hope this is just behavior they're not yet aware of, um, but they need to be made aware of this. And if you I fear that they would back her up or have no interest in helping you out, then that would make, I think, looking for other work even more imperative. Um, Especially if it's difficult to find other work in your field, like start now.
2: Yeah, and maybe a good halfway option would be to look at some freelancing or online jobs, maybe something part-time so that you can open doors and start meeting new people, maybe going to job fairs. I know that there aren't a lot of positions in the city that she's in, but... Mm -hmm you know maybe looking for ones in neighboring cities or neighboring yeah areas. but this is
3: bad this is just a little bit yeah. weird like it, even if it weren't about emailing clients like nasty notes about why you have a spoon for yogurt or like the way you store your pens it's just deeply unsettling and it like destroys right. the trust you're supposed to have in your boss's judgment it makes you feel unsettled at work and wonder like when's the next note gonna come and can i leave anything in my desk is she gonna start going through my phone or my wallet um because she's displayed such bad judgment it's just sort of like well i don't know what to expect from this person anymore yeah. Um, and then you add to that the fact that she calls clients um, or tries to, like, repeat actions you've already taken on a project. Um, that's a waste of her time. That's a waste of your time because you have to clean up the mess afterwards. That leaves you constantly worrying, like, is there a client out there right now who has the wrong information because my boss looked at the first two words on an email, flipped out, and then gave them a call? Like, that's... um. It's not just that this isn't normal. This is really bad. This is really bad. This isn't just like, oh, bosses are weird and sometimes they're rude and you have to, like, put up with a dull story or like a slightly unsettling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is
3: really bad.
2: And I'm wondering how much time the boss can spend doing her own responsibilities and supporting her employees if she's going through people's inboxes and outboxes and their desks. So, you know, this might not be great for her long-term professional development. Yeah, and she's apparently doing this to a
3: lot of people. Right. Um, uh, That's just bananas to me. Yeah, and and just to say again, like, if you need something from me, please ask me directly. You know, unless you are gone from your desk just, like, five days out of seven, I I can't imagine that she needs to be doing this. And this just is stemming from some sort of, like, free-floating anxiety in her mind that she just needs to scratch a really weird invasive itch. Yeah, please, please write us back because I would really yeah. like to know uh, how either this boss would respond to any sort of pushback on this um, or what your boss's boss might say if they were to hear like what she's doing, because I guarantee you she does not do this to the people above her in management. Like she's not going right. <laughs> into her supervisor's office and going through their desk. So this may very well be something they have no idea about. Ugh, man. This next letter is super cute, and it's also <laughs> about parenting, and I find it deeply, deeply charming.
7: The, t- the title's in- enticing. Right? Like, it's... oh, uh. <laughs> Dear Prudence, three years ago, my sister, who struggled with depression her entire life, became pregnant after a one-night stand. She didn't tell the father or anyone about her pregnancy, and shortly after the baby was born, she passed away from suicide. I was able to gain custody of the baby and got in touch with his biological father, who immediately agreed to co-parent his son with me. Since then, we have lived in adjacent apartments taking care of our adorable, endlessly chatty, and insanely energetic child together. For the first year or so, I think I was too exhausted, overwhelmed, and grief-stricken to notice what a great team we made. I have gradually come to realize that not only do I like him as a friend and respect him as a father, but I am falling in love with him. A week ago, when we were drinking wine and hanging out after our son fell asleep, he confessed he has feelings for me, too. I'm walking on sunshine, Prudy. I want so badly to pursue a relationship with him, and I think he feels the same way. But at the same time, I'm scared to death of it ending badly and ruining the co-parenting relationship we have and the stability our son gets from having his parents be so close. How can we have this relationship responsibly? Is it even possible? Sincerely, falling for my co-parent. Aww.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is just like... Extremely, extremely precious, right? Yes, like, I would watch this movie. Yeah. except for the part about the sister dying would be very sad. I
7: know. Oh.
3: I don't want to. I don't want to be like oh, so cute when it's actually born of like a serious tragedy. But uh, this is hard one. Like this is really lovely that you guys have found this in such a like
7: challenging situation. Yes, and obviously it's it's already starting out well. If he if 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 the other parent is coming forward and and sharing their feelings because mm-hmm. communication throughout co-parenting i'm pretty sure this person knows is key and so that's always going to be the best and firmest ground you can stand off stand on when you are communicating honestly and of course hopefully as clearly as possible
3: yeah so, you know, the main concern, right, because the letter writer is mostly just thrilled, like this kind of works beautifully in in, in everybody's favor. But the fear is, um, what if it ends badly and we don't have this good parenting relationship any longer? And I understand that fear. I think that's a very legitimate fear. But I would say to that, I, I think you're already running that risk now, right? Like you're already openly in love with one another. So that's already out there. It's not like not going for it would make you both feel relaxed, comfortable, easy, casual. Um, given that you have both confessed your feelings for one another, you're both aware of it. There's already that emotional risk that's already being run. That's already being run, rather. Um, I, I don't think that that should be a reason
7: not to do it. Definitely not. And if you, clearly, clearly... Taking the steps to find him, the father, was you being fully dedicated to the well-being of this child, at least giving it a chance. You didn't know when you reached out how he was going to react. And so you clearly have that child's well-being, first and foremost, in your mind. Second of all, the father- also has his well-being that child's well-being first and foremost in his mind because he stepped right up. You guys are uh, living in adjacent apartments. Like there are there are people who are, you know, for all intents and purposes biological mother and father who get a divorce and still don't try to make that close kind of easy and symbiotic, you know, relationship with each other to like live together so in close, so such close proximity. So you guys are in this, your focus is exactly where it should be. And I commend you both for that because that's awesome. That's what every child needs. And so if, I feel like if you took it this far, like, yes, you know, love is messy. It's, you know, it's great and it's crap at the same time. But like, if you have made it this far, if it were to go south, I feel like you two are the best people to attempt it because- at the end of the day, you know where your priority is, your focus is on that child and that child's well-being. And I feel like you might, you of all people, would be able to pull yourselves out and then get it kind of flowing on new ground, but good, firm, healthy ground.
3: Yeah. And I would say too, like to the other fear of like, what would happen if it ends badly and it ruins the co-parenting relationship we have, you know, not that this should be, like, a fun possibility, but, you know, it would be like any other couple that had a baby together and got divorced. Like, yep. people do it all the time. I hope that's not what happens for you. I hope you guys are together and happy and, you know, die in one another's arms, like, 80 years from now. Aww. But... um you know, it's it would be the same as with any other couple. It's not that you're running any additional risk. You already have a child together. You are already in love. Um, if you didn't go for it and he started seeing somebody else in six months, it would feel just as bad, I think, um, as if you had started seeing one another and then broke up and then he started seeing somebody else. Um, and if you guys split up, it would be no different from any other co-parenting couple that was splitting up and you would, you know... You would come up with a shared custody agreement. You would get divorced if you had gotten married. You would figure it out. You would get a mediator. Um, And again, that's not – you can't prevent that. I I think that fear is real, but you can't um, put it off by not taking this risk, right? Like you've already taken most of the risk. You're just not letting yourself experience the reward yet. Um, And so I think you should give yourself permission to give this a shot because there's a lot of – there's a really solid foundation here.
7: Yeah. And like, what's that? I know it's corny, but these quotes are, I just love them. They're so good. There's that quote that was surfaced, like going around on Instagram. What if, you know, what if like little, I don't know, I can't remember the context, but essentially what if I fall? And the answer to that is, well, what if you fly, right? What if, Aww, yeah, it could go that's really extremely bad. charming.
3: Could yeah. go freaking
7: amazing.
3: Yeah. You and you know. have a lot of reasons to think it might. Like, you know, this. you've seen this guy with an infant, like you have seen him in a pretty intense situation and you fell in love with him as a result. So there's a lot of, you know, I mean, not to say like you'll never have problems. Everything's perfect. Like roll credits on your beautiful love story. But like you have a lot of reason to trust him um, and to think that the two of you are deeply compatible. Um, and yeah, you know, write us back in a year. Let us know how things are. Um, you can take this slowly. You can keep talking to one another. You can both say, like, here's what I'm afraid of, here's the worst case scenario. Can we both affirm that our primary commitment is always gonna be to our kid um and to treating to each other treating each other with as much like respect and kindness as possible um, so that we're not both kind of secretly terrified, oh no, what if this goes badly? And then, you know, we can't stand to be in the same room together. Like talk talk it out, and that will, I think, help. All right, would you please be so good as to read our next letter?
4: Sure. Uh, the subject of this one is nutty friend. Uh, dear Prudence, my husband and I are friends with another couple. We all went together to a bulk food health store. I was horrified to see my friend scooping up large portions of expensive nuts from different bins and munching as them as she walked around. She did not even buy any of the items she was eating. This is stealing. I walked away so I would not be associated with her. But short of not going into a store again with her, what can I do? She and her husband are not rich, but they live comfortably and can afford to buy most of the things they want. So
3: I laughed a lot when I read this because something not terribly dissimilar happened uh, the first time that Nicole Cliff and I went to a grocery store together. Oh, goodness. And not on the same scale, to be clear. <laughs> I I sampled a grape. Um, and her face when I did that was just like... She had never I felt like I was the bad kid in a like after school special who was like, wanna go shoplifting.
4: Oh my gosh, you are the bad kid though. It was one grape. <laughs> we ended up
3: buying grapes. <laughs> I, I no, I just felt no, like I, I should confess.
4: I I'll, I read this and I was like, when she said this is stealing, I was like, it is stealing. I would likely scuttle away from embarrassment of the person that I'm with grabbing things out of the bin by the handfuls and chomping on them.
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel like a real hypocrite (laughs) uh, having confessed already to eating a grape. But I do feel like large like handfuls of, I don't know,
4: like macadamia nuts, like multiple times. Like that's... It's, It's gross also. Aside from the stealing, let's go back to the gross factor of this. Like your hands are now like some poor macadamia loving... Person is going to come up within the next ten minutes to get their macadamia nuts, and they're going to have no idea that there were hands in there, and that's yeah. terrible.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, it's it's difficult because I would imagine her response to you're saying anything would be something like "Don't be ridiculous," and it's always hard when you're trying to tell someone that something isn't ridiculous, and that's their <laughs> only response. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's not stealing a, a you know. She didn't steal a car. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. You can say – you you can definitely – it's not hard not to go to the grocery store with friends. Um, yeah. And it's also fine to say, like, you should pay for that. And to just say it and, like, let it sit there. Like, you don't have to get into an argument <laughs> back and forth. But just to say, like, yeah, you should pay for the food that you eat.
4: Yeah. I mean, as far as the what can I do, like, if she didn't – or well, I guess if the person, the letter writer – didn't say anything at the time. I feel like at this point you really can't say anything. Like this isn't a let's sit down and have a conversation a week later about the nuts that you stole a week ago at the grocery store. Um I just feel like that's just even more awkward than the than the nut stealing.
3: Right, you got to so, like you got to yeah. keep this in a sense of scale where like I think this would have been worth saying something in the moment. It's mm-hmm. maybe uh, a little odd to bring up later um, yeah. and might make things into a, a bigger deal than you would want to. But yes, absolutely. Don't go to a grocery store with her again. Um, certainly, if, if for whatever reason you have to and you see her do it again, you can say, like, you got to pay for those uh, many, many Brazil nuts that you've just consumed, my friend.
4: <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I But the funny thing is, is as I was reading this, I would be, the, like I said, I would be the person that would be mortified and suddenly have to buy something and find something on the opposite end of the store. So oh, I, I would, would not be next to this person with their hand in the bin.
3: Uh, there is 100% a version of reality where I'm with someone who does that. <laughs> I don't say anything. And then when we're in line, I say to the clerk, oh, by the way, I had two handfuls of macadamia nuts. Can you charge me for that? Like, which Please is maybe sure. the worst possible choice because it's super passive aggressive. Oh, um, my God. And it's also a lie. Which is just weird. <laughs> um, but I can absolutely see myself doing that. Yeah, like, you know, I'm feeling really bad about that grape, by the way. Um, you should
4: you should just take one of your grapes from your home and take it back to the store.
3: That does not seem uh, commensurate. But yeah, like nope. when I was a kid, occasionally when my mom would take us grocery shopping, we would be like, I want a banana. And she would like bring the peel with her up to the front and be like, please charge us for this banana that my children ate as we were walking around the store. So Right. I don't know where I got that grape thing from because clearly my mother did not teach me to behave like that. But, yeah, if you're eating fistfuls of nuts, it's kind of gross um, and you should pay for them because nuts are expensive.
4: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You're, you know, you're, you are a good person, letter writer. You are an ethical person who is on the right side of history. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And, like, um, oh it would been so embarrassing if somebody had come up to your friend and been like, you got to pay for these.
4: No, that's that's exactly what would have run away. Like, I can't even... I'm getting really uncomfortable even thinking about it right now. Just like somebody coming... I hate getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. So if even a grocery store employee was to walk up and be like, hey, uh, what are you doing? I would be mortified. I would ban myself from the store. Oh, my gosh. The subject of this
3: next letter is, I want to kidnap a dog, which I got to say... You know, when historians look back at the various phases of the Dear Prudence column, I think mine is just going to be the Dear Prudence who transitioned and became the one who talked about dog kidnapping all the time.
8: Like that's those will be my two things. A lot of dog stuff.
3: And it's always (laughs) kidnapping dogs. It's always kidnapping dogs. People always want to kidnap dogs. They always want to kill cats, except for sometimes they have killed a dog. Oh, yeah. and Sometimes they want to kidnap the cats.
8: And I guess if I only had to answer based on the subject line, I would say don't. (laughs) Ooh. I want to kidnap a dog. I don't... I know there's... It's temporary.
3: It's a temporary kidnap. It's like a... Like absconding with the dog and returning the dog.
8: (laughs) Let's... Let's find out.
3: Let's do. All right. Dear Prudence, my in-laws have an unfixed male dog they let freely roam our neighborhood. Many neighbors have complained to them that their dog wanders miles from home and goes into other people's yards and bothers their dogs. My in-laws don't care. In fact, they encourage it because they want their dog to, quote, get some tail. And they think it would be cute if their dog made puppies. I do not think this is cute. I recently adopted a senior female dog who's in very poor health. She was never spayed, and the vet recommends against it because of the risks considering her age and other health conditions. I want to borrow my in-law's dog to get it neutered and or report them to the animal control in our area. Animal control around here is notoriously unhelpful and requires you to bring the dogs to them before they'll do anything. I know this from experience. Also, the only animal shelter within four hours of us—I live on an island with a small population—is also unhelpful. We've tried talking to our family over the course of the last several months, and it hasn't worked. This isn't as much about my dog, who's never outside unleashed or unsupervised, as it is about the other dogs in the neighborhood. I feel I can't continue to see my husband's extended family until this matter is resolved. The rest of the family agrees that it is a problem, but they don't think it's our business. I disagree. What do I do? I'm at my wit's end. I truly care for this dog and don't want to see anything bad happen to him. Are you still anti-kidnapping?
8: Here's what I say. Uh, I think if this dog that isn't yours is on your property, then you can do something with it. I think any of the people around the island that, uh, that also feel that way, like, I don't think you can go to their house and get their dog, and kidnap it, and take it, and do the stuff with it. I think you can report it as much as possible, like to, I mean, call the police uh, as well. Whatever authorities you can. Call animal no, control. No, I'm, I'm going to go it, ahead and yeah. fight
3: you there. Don't call the police. This is not a good enough reason okay. to call the
8: police. Fair enough. Uh, but I don't, do you, th- are you pro-kidnapping the dog?
3: Yes. 100%. Okay. Yeah. This wow. feels like... Uh, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Kidnap the dog. I mean, it doesn't sound like you'd have to wait very long for the dog to show up. So I'm not suggesting, like, you know, dig a tunnel under your in-law's garden and, like, come up Hogan's Hero style um, and, and sneak the dog away. Just, yeah, the next time you see the dog out and you have a little free time, absolutely. Go to the vet, get him fixed, release him back into their yard Feign surprise. I, I I very rarely give this advice, um, but this is just like, yeah, you know, animal overpopulation is really serious. Um, if puppies were born to like a stray dog or that people couldn't take care of, they might get, you know, neglected or hurt or uh, have to be put down. That's really unkind. Do um, it. And, you know, there's nothing to be done afterwards. Even if your in-laws are like, oh, no, someone spayed and neutered our dog. I suspect you. You can always be like, it wasn't I. I just lie for the rest of
8: your life. That is certainly an option as well. I would also say uh, that you don't have to hang out with that family uh, if you don't want to. If you don't like the way that they live their life and treat their dog, like that's that's just a separate issue. Uh, you can not spend time with them if that's an option as well.
3: Yeah, although I'm so curious about this like small island where everyone like lives near each other and has dogs and fights and. I don't know, I'm just I'm I'm curious. I would watch like a tense family drama set on this island. Um yeah, you know, certainly you can limit the time you spend with your husband's extended family. Um but yeah, fucking go for it. Absolutely. Like, you know, call like if you see the dog out next, call first, say this dog is always running around. It's not neutered. It's I'm I'm worried that it's going to either um, you know, create feral puppies or you know her get hurt and if they say fine if you bring the dog in we will we'll will spay and or neuter him i forget which is which um and then do it and then deny it for the rest of your life
8: another thing i guess you could also you know depending how tight-knit the community is of the dog owners on the island like you know you know your dog uh can get pregnant but doesn't uh you know is never off the leash and is never out of your sight though obviously Mistakes can happen, but uh, make hopefully everybody else on the island is making their dog be spayed and or neutered uh, so that even if their dog did get some tail, uh, it wouldn't result in those puppies.
3: Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, I just don't know. I don't know. We oh, only yeah. know this one yes. dog. But I guess you could go we around don't. polling people. Um, it's just so weird. It's so weird. I think it'd be cute if our dog, like, made puppies, like... How would you even know? Like, your dog's not going to come pawing at your door and be like, I'm a father. Like, he's not going to be able to inform you of this. This isn't the Lady and the Tramp, as great as that would be.
8: It's true. I mean, you just have to wait and see if puppies were born that looked exactly like your dog.
3: Only the boys would look exactly like him. The girls would look exactly like their mothers. Because that's what always happens in the Lady and the Tramp,
8: is girl puppies
3: look like their moms and boy puppies look like their dads.
8: I don't know as much about dogs, but uh, that sounds right to me. Sounds plausible.
3: This next letter. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't publish a lot of letters like this one, despite sometimes getting letters like this one, in part because they don't always feel super credible. And I'm perfectly (laughs) willing to concede that this may be a person having a fun. But um, I I wanted to include it just because they're so clearly not being honest with themselves. Like, at one point, they say, I could really marry this person. And then two sentences later, obviously, we're not going to get married. Um, And I love it when that happens. Yeah. I can relate to patently lying to myself about my own motivations or patently (laughs) or what have you. Anyways, I think it's my turn to read it. So uh, I'm just going to jump right in. The subject of this letter is Cousin Hookup. Dear Prudence, I grew up overseas from the rest of my family. We'd interact every few years, but only for a few days at a time. With the advent of social media, one of my cousins, our mothers or sisters, has come back into contact with me. We're still thousands of miles apart, but it's a genuine joy to interact with her. We share vices, idiosyncrasies. I forgot how to say that word. We (laughs) share vices, idiosyncrasies, half-formed memories of brief childhood interactions. Our similarities are eerie. If she wasn't my cousin, I'd have proposed. And I understand and am aware of the concept of genetic sexual attraction. And still, it's a weird fever when we're together, and we do our damnedest to laughingly dismiss the casual banter when it's evident that we're flirting. I am not looking for absolution to embark upon some relationship with my mother's sister's daughter. I don't want to marry her. I don't want to have children with her. We are both well-educated professionals who have known each other for decades. But holy Moses, it's more than evident we want to have sex. Can I have sex with my first cousin? I guess I want permission. I don't think it'll go anywhere romantically, but yeah, if I don't do it, I'm gonna be thinking about it. Okay, <laughs> just kind of like feel the sexual
0: frenzy taking over by the like right. just those choppy sentences.
3: Look, right. uh, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> Should I? I don't know. I can't. I want to.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you clearly want to. Letter writer. Uh. Um, I do love, too, by the way, that the letter writer says our similarities are eerie.
0: They're not eerie. You guys are related like your moms are sisters. You know, it's just family family history. (laughs) You have half-formed memories. She completes your memories because she was there because you guys are related.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And you have idiosyncrasies because you are genetically related and were raised by people who were raised together. Like, again. Oh, my God. I don't want to diminish the uh, joy of your connection, but it's not this like, what are the odds? The odds are like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of cousins have stuff in
0: common. Okay. Um, well, if you want, I mean, you say you guess you want permission. You can only really get permission from your cousin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to do it. I can't tell you that you can. Um but if you have your cousin's permission, I guess you can do what you want. Just, like, be prepared if you ever play Never Have I Ever to be the one who, like, had sex with their cousin.
3: Yeah. I mean, a cousin's a cousin. It's not a sibling. Um, right. <laughs> there are plenty of countries and states where cousin marriage is legal. People used to do it a lot um, in the states, and now they do it less. But it's not, um, you know, I, I, like, I would not put it in the exact same category as, like, I want to marry my twin. Um <laughs> So take, you know, take that as whatever you need, letter writer. Um, But I will say this. uh, I think you need to be a little more honest with yourself right now because it kind of feels like what you are implying here is like, look, I just want to have sex with her. The implication being if I can just get this out of my system, we're not going to have this tension anymore because we're not going to get married. Uh, Obviously, it would be stupid to get romantically involved, but you you kind of sound like you're in love with her.
0: Yeah, it's a genuine joy to interact with her. Um, yeah,
3: it's a weird fever.
0: You said you'd never proposed we're together. if she wasn't your cousin. <laughs> yeah, so don't stir the pot. <laughs> yeah, if if
3: if you're saying all that and then you're like, look, I don't want to marry her or have kids, I don't think you're being honest with yourself. I think if you. If you were to have sex with her, you would probably want to have sex with her a lot. Um, And you would probably want to do more than just have sex and totally ignore her personality. I think you would want to be in some sort of a relationship. And one of the many reasons that cousin relationships are fraught is because if things don't work out, you still are related.
0: Right. And the other thing is, is if you don't wind up uh, wanting to marry her or you do marry somebody else or get serious with somebody else, that's a big um, skeleton to have, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like let's say your cousin's at your wedding and there's just some implications that um, you two have some history and like, how will that go over? You know, think about it's, it's kind of like a threshold that you're walking through, like Now you're a person who doesn't have sex with their cousin. And if you do, then you will be Mm -hmm. a person who has done that. Yes. Um, And it will have repercussions on the rest of your life. Yeah. It'll Um, echo a little.
3: Like the odds that, let's say, she feels the same way. She not only feels the same way, she uncomplicatedly wants to have sex with you. Because that's a big leap, right? Yeah, Yeah. She may share your attraction and yet have a much stronger sense of never will I ever cross this line. Right. Um, So, even speaking out loud, what has previously been a mere suggestion is a big step. Um, And the potential for things to go wrong are a lot. She might freak out. Um, You guys might sleep together and then fall in love and want to tell your family. You guys might sleep together and then have a really weird, tortured relationship and break up and then feel like uncomfortable exes around each other and can never say anything to your family for the rest of your lives about it. And everyone's always like, why are you guys so weird every couple (laughs) of years when you run into each other? Um, You guys may decide you want to be together. Tell your moms and your moms might say... Very upsetting things, and right. not support it and not ever want to talk to you again. and so all this is this is the most complicated person you could want to have sex with um, <laughs> pretty much, so,
0: yeah, like top three at least, top three at least um, <laughs> at least.
3: So the idea that this could be a potentially consequence-free choice that you guys could just keep to yourself, scratch the itch, no harm, no foul, then go back to being friendly cousins, I think is a fantasy that you need to let go of. Um, And you say, if I don't do it, I'm going to be thinking about it. That's fine. It's okay to think
0: about it. Yeah.
3: Like, The implication is, like, surely I could not be expected to live while also being profoundly attracted to my cousin. And it's like, no, you could just... You could have kind of a sexual and romantic fixation on your cousin and not do anything about that. And sometimes, you know, uh, spend some intimate time with yourself thinking about her and your (laughs) joyful, fevered interactions.
0: That is an option. It's perfectly okay to keep things as a fantasy, too. Like, a lot of things lose their allure when they're not in your head. And this is probably one of those things. Um, It's it's not going to be all, like, ecstasy. There's no way for this not to go, (laughs) not not to be at least partly awful.
3: Yeah. And she's thousands of miles away. So, like, what are you going to do? Fly across the world and bang it out once and then just go (laughs) back to your life? Like, I just, I hate to say it, letter writer. I don't think you've thought through fucking your cousin very thoroughly. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you've thought through it very thoroughly. Like, I'm sure you know exactly how you would do it. Right. But I don't think that you have adequately considered it from all angles.
0: Yeah, I don't so, think kids in marriage are like the worst possible concern on this list of concerns. Yeah, you have a couple <laughs> of other things to worry about before yes. you get to that. So, um I would say, letter writer,
3: think a little harder about fucking your cousin, uh and then get back to us uh with <laughs> a more uh coherent plan. Um and only then will I be willing to potentially grant permission to you. So, please send us a follow-up once you have dedicated some more thought to the subject. Would you
6: read this letter? I would. Subject. At last, the truth. Dear Prudence, My brother works nights as a bartender, and my sister-in-law works retail in the morning. No one can find or afford daycare in our area. I have watched my nephews every weekend since they were born. They are five and three now. I did this so my brother and his wife could have some time to themselves and keep their marriage going. My sister-in-law and I don't see eye to eye, but I always considered us kind of close, if only because of the adversity that we have faced together. We both lost a parent in the same year. She accidentally added me to a group chat to her sisters and totally torched me. She considers me self-righteous and bitchy. I act like I am a mother instead of an evolutionary mistake. I am asexual. It was like someone dumped cold water on me. Her sisters get glowing praise for showing up for my nephew's birthday, while I get shredded for getting chocolate rather than white cupcakes. I texted my sister-in-law, thanks for telling me the truth, finally. I have gotten no response. I am still structuring my schedule around my daycare duties. I am pissed off and more worried I will blow everything up if I tell my brother. He has had conflict with his in-laws, and I know he will not stand to see me insulted like this. I don't know what to do. As much as I love my nephews, I do not want to make nice with their two-faced mother. I rearrange my life to help my family. She doesn't consider me to be part of her family. I can't sweep this under a rug. Help.
3: (sighs) At least this one has, I think, a really clear way forward.
6: It does. This
3: is not hard. I mean, it's painful, but it's not hard.
6: It is. Uh, Stop rearranging your schedule to take care of your brother and sister-in-law's children.
3: Yeah, this is not a situation where, like... The kids are going to be in a dangerous situation. If you don't, you've been doing this for five years mm-hmm. every weekend. And it's just so they can have date nights. Knock! You don't have to do that for another second. Don't do it this weekend. It's Monday. Make some plans for this Friday night, even if it's just watch TV and flip through a magazine
6: yeah a weekend is not at all a necessity for them they can still go to their jobs they can still make a living without that weekend and i would even say go ahead and tell your brother uh if he is going to not stand to see you insulted like this that's because you don't deserve to be insulted like this yes oh that's very good yes so tell him i think it's totally a fair thing to mention and whatever happens happens yep
3: and just You know, I I think lay it out there really neutrally. Just say, Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm not available to babysit the kids this weekend. I will not be available regularly going forward. The kids are great. Nothing to do with the kids. It has to do with my relationship with your wife. Um, She copied me on this text thread. Here's what she sent me Mm -hmm. and show it to him um, just so he gets to see exactly what she said. And then say, the thing on top of that that makes it really difficult is I contacted her to let her know I'd seen it. She hasn't apologized like that's that's the killer part here she like this is mortifying for her she should be begging your forgiveness mm-hmm. um and seriously reconsidering the way that she conducts herself in her personal life and her response has just been like yeah i bet you're going to keep looking after the kids so i don't have to do shit here
6: Yeah. And it sounds like there's probably a history of her really taking you for granted and not being very considerate if she's lauding her sisters for minimal efforts and then berating you for relatively small things that are still a lot of kindness on your part to be getting cupcakes for their birthdays in the first place.
3: Yeah. And like making a dig about your asexuality in a way that suggests you shouldn't be alive. That's like... So beyond being mean about cupcakes, that is deeply dehumanizing and phobic and cruel. Um, and I'm so sorry. And and I just you you got to tell your brother, uh, you got to stop babysitting the kids. I, I'm I'm not saying you can never see the kids again. I'm sure you love the kids. Like obviously, you know you will be able to continue having a relationship with the kids. Uh, not obviously. Obviously, you can if yeah. you want to. Do it
6: because you want to hang out with the kids, not because you want to do something nice for your sister-in-law.
3: And if you need to take a little break, that's okay. Like, um, what you just experienced was horrible. And, you know, I, I worry even that, like, part of the reason you haven't told your brother yet is because you're also worried that he... You know, you say that you don't think he'll stand to see you insulted like this, but apparently for the last five years... He's been kind of fine when you get shredded for getting the wrong kind of cupcakes. Um, I, I don't know how much she's been able to hide that from him, but I'd be surprised if he had never, ever, ever seen
6: That's very her true. treat you
3: that way. And so part of what I I guess part of what I mean by that is don't let him off the hook. Like, don't make her the only villain. Like, he is also the parent of those two children. He is also her partner. He has also participated, even if it's totally passively and trying to make himself out to be the good cop. Um, in the way that they, you know, instrumentalize, manipulate, kind of exploit and dismiss you.
6: Yeah. And in that vein, don't let him convince you that maybe it's not a big deal. Like if he tries to defend her, there is a big gap between someone saying like, oh, someone else is telling me how to parent and mm-hmm. calling someone an evolutionary mistake. That's not just about parenting. That's a big moral and character
3: yeah this is a this is a line in the sand moment this is not ordinary venting that you could maybe get past in a couple of weeks this is this is big and and were she to abjectly and with mortification come to you and say like i am taking the following steps to you know reorient how I think about and treat people. I was so wrong to call you that. I've identified the ways in which I was wrong. Here are some things that I'm going to be doing in the future to, uh, you know, check my behavior. Um, And I understand if you don't forgive me, but I just want you to know I'm deeply sorry and I will not treat people like this again. Even then, if you were like, I appreciate that and I don't want to talk to you, that would make a lot of sense. But for her to follow this all up with like, no, I'm good. That just suggests that she actually feels fine that she said that. Yeah. And she wanted you to know that. And she believes that she can still get you to, you know, take care of her kids on the weekend so she can have date nights even after you know that she thinks this about you. And that makes me so mad. I just, uh, yeah. I, I hope that this causes a huge problem in their marriage. That would be good.
6: It would. It It would be redeeming for the brother in my mind now that I'm thinking about like, you're right, there's no way that it's been going on for five years and he hasn't noticed something unpleasant. Yeah, so.
3: I hope this is a wake-up call for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta say, like, I I feel bad for her kids that they're being raised by the kind of mother who thinks that an asexual person is an evolutionary mistake. But good enough to babysit your children every week? Like, man, this woman is awful. You know, you say no one can find her a four daycare in our area. I'm sure it's difficult. It's also just not your problem. They will figure it out.
6: And they're getting to an age where they're going to be going to school anyway. It is not make or break for them. Because it's still just the weekends, right? I mean, there's not school on the weekends, (laughs) so
3: if they have to spend more date nights with their own children, they'll be fine.
6: Yes. Yeah. They can have a movie night in or something. But either way, you take a vacation, treat yourself well for a little while, tell your brother, and then don't worry about it. Yeah. You were being extremely kind and extremely generous for a long time.
3: Yeah. Um, Don't sweep this under the rug. Take all the time in the world. Um, Draw a real big line in the sand with her. Um, Feel free to have no contact with her. Um, uh, Tell your brother that, like, tell him how badly this hurt you um, and and take a lot of space. And when you see the kids, you don't have to make nice to their mother. Um, All you have to do is not, you know, cuss her out in public. Like, that's, I think that should be the bar of your behavior towards her is like, am I maintaining at least the bare minimum of, like, icy neutrality. And as long as you're clearing that bar, you're fine. As long as you don't hit her the next time you see her <laughs> um, or call her, you know, unprintable words, you're good.
6: I second that sentiment.
3: Yeah, yeah. You do not owe this woman friendliness. Um, she Or cupcakes. Or cupcakes. Oh, man, she gets no more cupcakes from you. Never. This woman never gets another cupcake from you as long as you live. Um I hope you spend the next like 52 weekends only doing stuff you love and that brings you delight and joy and that has nothing to do with helping your brother and his wife.
6: Absolutely.
3: Um and I hope your brother is very upset when he sees this. I hope that it causes a serious problem in their marriage and I hope she turns her life around and this haunts her. Like I hope she becomes a really good person. Who often has a feeling in the pit of her stomach like, oh, man, I cannot believe that I said that about someone who did me nothing but good. Better go back to the soup kitchen tomorrow. You know, just. Yeah. And that she
6: steps on a Lego every day. Yeah. That she doesn't repent her actions.
3: Oh, man. I just. You will not. I mean, yeah. Don't worry about blowing things up. Blow things up. um, Take care of yourself. And um, yeah, I hope those Legos are plentiful and underfoot and then man, I just cannot imagine seeing that text message. That is just as cruel as cruel gets. Um
6: Yeah. This isn't the situation like the previous letter where like, you know, be positive as much as you No, don't. No, yeah. blow it up. She's yeah. terrible.
3: Yep. No, she she has forfeited her right to a friendly relationship with you. Um and all you have to do is, you know, not hurt her. Um you don't have to be friendly. You don't have to be friendly. You don't have to be friendly. 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018. All right, Phil, I think in the interest of uh, the stability of the space-time continuum, we should never travel back in time again or use it for any other purposes. I'm not going to lie. That hurt a little bit. Just this once, just to listen to some letters we've already read before. That's it.